Well, hello, everyone. I hope you are ready for the weekend, as I am. But as always, wanted to thank you for joining us today. My name is Rafael Garcia. I'm by myself today for episode 110 of the MMA Ratings Podcast. Uh, Shawan Humes is out being super dad somewhere. I think he has an event with the kids. Hopefully that doesn't involve him yelling at another referee or something along those lines. I know he coaches and his girls are basically super athletes. So here's to hoping that he doesn't end up in jail or beating up another parent somewhere down in uh, Texas. But anyway, it's just me today. And I wanted to take a minute to thank you all for joining us. Uh, We have quite a bit to talk about in the world of mixed martial arts today. I want to look back at uh, UFC on ESPN, what, one? ESPN Plus One that occurred this past Saturday, and I want to look forward to Bellator 215 this week. Give me one second. All right, I gotta live tweet the show talk at the same time and that's a little bit more difficult than I thought so boom there five tweet is out but yeah so thank you all for joining us please feel free to like and share our content go to mmaratings.net to rate the fights um, subscribe to our YouTube channel here you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at mmaratingsnet where you can catch all of our content there and all of our ramblings and arguments between myself, Sean Humes, uh, Adam Martin, Michael Ford, and John Jordan, I think this is his name, as I always say. But be sure to subscribe for our content. The Wednesday for Wrestling podcast has been going pretty well, too, so please feel free to give that a listen when you stop around to our YouTube page. So with that in mind, this is just me. I don't want to spend too much time talking to myself tonight, but I have a couple of topics to talk about in reference to some MMA news this week. Nothing too big, but there was some news that came out today. So we have MMA news to talk about in reference to John Jones. I want to recap some of the action from UFC on ESPN Plus One, and then look forward to Bellator 214. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into it and talk about Mr. Jones first and foremost. And I'm sure if any of you guys follow the sport and follow the major outlets that cover this organization and this industry, I'm sure you are aware of the news that came out about John Jones yesterday on Wednesday. And if you're not, I mean, you probably live under a rock somewhere. But it was revealed that there were trace amounts of turnable in John Jones UFC 232 or uh, uh, 232 drug test. I don't have 110% of all the details. I've seen the story in passing. I wasn't surprised, so I just kind of let it roll. But the narrative is that this this substance still being in his system is due to the previous um, the previous tainted uh, the, the, pre- the previous failed test that he had that he was already suspended for that he came back to came back from suspension for at UFC 232 and all those other issues that that was involved in reference to moving that event but the California State Athletic, uh, Athletic Association Commission excuse me has already determined that they are not going to sanction him in any shape or form so we're just going to act like that this doesn't happen 
that this didn't happen. And we're at a point now in this sport where it's kind of like par for the course, for lack of a, of, of a better term. Um, and I think that they're just going to let this ride. Um, Andy Foster was doing a, a bunch of shows today. I think he was on Luke Thomas's show earlier today talking about why he wouldn't have a case against John Jones if he tried to pursue it. And with that alone, they're just going to kind of let this ride. And it's unfortunate that this is where we are in the in the sport today. Um, we are at a point now where this partnership between USADA and UFC has really gone off the rails. Remember, fighters never agreed to this, and now they're being subjugated to an organization that answers to, to the UFC and is caught up in a situation that extremely destroys and incredibility they have about being an objective party because here it is that John Jones has failed a, a test it was a slight amount, it was a minor amount, whatever that really is, whatever that amount is but we do not know the impact of Turnabal and what it has what it does to his body what it did to him as he prepared And, well, when when he fell the first time, they weren't too sure about what that did to his system or how it how he benefited from using Turnabal, which is understandable because much of the science about steroids is not, you really don't know what's going to happen. I remember, I don't know why this is the first thing that popped into mind, but I remember when Kurt Schilling, I believe it was, or one a famous baseball player it may have been Kurt Schilling, or it may have been um, not if it wasn't Schilling, it was the pitcher who played for the Yankees, not Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, I think maybe something like that. But I remember when he was talking about steroids, and the reason why he said that he's not on steroids is because he uh, will be like he would have an he would be growing an extra arm, or something ridiculous, talking about uh, side effects of using. PEDs. Well, he ended up popping hot, and his career was forever tarnished for that. But now we're looking at John Jones, and we're looking at him in mixed martial arts, and we're looking at him being uh, basically given a I'm given a pass for this. Um, and now he's now the organization is in a situation where how do they have any integrity going forward? If you remember, a couple uh, as UFC 232 came along, Frank Mir was talking about how the uh, how USADA basically took massive amounts of his career from him because he was suspended for using the same PED. He was he was suspended for a failed test with the same substance, and he's never going to get that time back. He was never given a consideration. There was no. Uh, extra steps taken to figure out what occurred with him when they were dealing with Frank Mir. Same thing with Josh Barnett. He uh, ended up suing them and fighting back because of, of the sanction he faced. I mean, guys like Leota Machida hit with uh, ridiculous uh, sanctions. Um, guys like Yoel uh, Romero had to fight back against them. So many different fighters So many different fighters 
have been caught up in these moments where they are facing punishment from USADA and no one really knows what's going to happen. But when it comes to John Jones, we know what's going to happen because now he's basically been given a free pass and the organization can't go back and punish him. They can't, they, they can't take it back because we're at a point now where it's clear as day that he's going to get some type of special treatment. So I'm sure everyone's watching this matter much more closely to see what happens next time someone fails a drug test and see what type of response USADA has for that. I really don't want to say too much about this about this matter just because it is what it is. I mean, that's really how it's really the point that we've gotten to right now. The situation between USADA and UFC has always been questionable, and now it's even more questionable. But the fighters can't do anything about it. Why? Because they basically refuse to band together and put and create any type of association, union, some type of bargaining group that's looking out for their best interests. And do they take the time to do so, or take make that effort to do so? Situations like these are going to keep marring them, and, and then there's not going to be anything that they can do to stop them in any way, shape, or form. So, I mean, like I said, I didn't want to spend way too much time on that. That's probably the big news story that's been going on for this week. But on Saturday, we got UFC on ESPN Plus One. And I will admit, I enjoyed the card from start to finish. As you guys know, I uh, also work for Fightmetric, who, the organization that does the stat tracking for the ESPN, excuse me, for UFC. And I can honestly say I enjoyed much of this card from start to finish it was definitely enjoyable um every every piece of it was it was a pretty good show so let's go ahead and kind of dive into a lot of the uh let's dive into some of the major results some of the major news stories coming out of that and i also want to talk about the overall impact of this event what uh what was the kind of what, what was the reception of the UFC's first endeavor on their new platform with their new uh, partner. So as everyone is aware, Henry Cejudo walked out with a major win over Bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw, where he finished him, let's see how long, he finished him, what, 30, 32 seconds via technical knockout. He landed, he dropped uh, Dillashaw twice. The first one looked like it was more of a push. The second one was definitely a uh, hook that dropped uh, Dillashaw when it landed, I think it was like to the temple. And then he finished him off with ground and pound as uh, Dillashaw fought for a single leg before and, and I mean it is what it is. The stoppage and the, the stoppage came 32 seconds in, and people are having a hard time accepting the results simply because I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't the best stoppage. Uh, it wasn't the worst that we've seen, but it was a step stoppage that has definitely 
cause some issues. And, you know, there's one, there's a large contingent that's saying that the stoppage was bad. There are other individuals that are saying, you know, it wasn't as bad as people are making it out to be. I fall in a position to think that the stoppage wasn't fantastic, but we've seen worse. We've seen worse from multiple referees. The referee that was uh, working this fight here, he's not a bad referee per se. It was, it, it was... It wasn't the greatest stoppage. I'm not going to say again. I'm not going. I'm going to make it a point to say that. But it kind of. I mean, that's what happened. I mean, these things happen in MMA. It's still a line from Gus uh, Gus Jones, Gus Johnson. These things happen in mixed martial arts. So many. I mean, any of the top referees you can think of: um, Herb Dean, uh, John McCarthy. Uh, who else? Dan, Dan Miguelot. He has bad stoppages. So many guys have different bad stoppages. So many keys have bad, or so many refs have bad stoppages. That this is it happens. These guys are professionals. They make mistakes. But I still don't think that this was so much of a mistake that people should be upset about it. Um, if the outcome is if the outcome is what it is. I think the biggest story is what does the UFC do now? Because we're at a position where I wrote about this earlier in this week for MMA ratings that I think that this is an opportunity for the organization to put a stop to all these super fight requests or all these champ champ requests because now Dillashaw became the first fighter to lose in a bid to become a champ champ. And we're at a position where the UFC was it rumored to be attempting to close the flyweight division, the 125-pound group. And at bantamweight, there's challengers there. Don't think that just because Dillashaw beat Cody Garbrandt twice that there aren't any challengers there. Marlon Morales and Rafael Sanso, um, excuse me, Marlon Morales and Rafael Sansao are both deserving of being the next man to face off for that 135-pound title. They're fighting in a couple of weeks in February. Dillashaw should be focused on facing off with one of them. I mean, since he won the title, he's only defended it against... He defended it against Joe Soto in that fight. Remember the Hennon Burrell fight he uh, defended it against? He's defended it against... Those two guys and Cody Garbrandt. So he hasn't faced the best of, of the best as a champion. You know, like I said, him and uh, Sun Tzu are one on one against each other, and Marlon has looked fantastic since since coming in to the to the UFC. He could be basically undefeated in the octagon if it wasn't for that questionable split decision against Sun Tzu when he first um, joined the joined the, the promotion. So here we are where Dillashaw could fight either one of those guys. He could fight them one after another because both of them are viable contenders at 135 pounds. You still have Dominic Cruz, yeah, who's dealing with, with injury, but we'll see what happens with him. But this division isn't barren. So to put that idea out there, to push the narrative that Cejudo and uh, 
do the Charles fight again is incorrect in my opinion. Then on top of that, Henry, he has to get uh, retribution for that split decision loss against Joseph Benavidez. Yeah, he had a point taken away from him in that fight, which led to, uh, which helped uh, Joseph get that, uh, get that split win. That's still a loss on his record. He avenged the loss to Demetrius Johnson. Now I would be intrigued to see him uh, attempt to take that fight with Joseph Benavidez. I would take him over Beefcake, but that's, I mean, that's the reason why these fights are, are actually fought in the cage and not just uh, elected based on on the fight odds. So both of these men have some work to do, and I don't think we should be talking about having them to face off at 135 pounds. I don't want to. I don't want to have that conversation right now, and I don't want to stall and hold up both of these groups if the flyweight division stays around. And on top of that, I mean, I think that I think Henry can can become a star. I think he's someone that. Not a major, major, major pay-per-view draw, but I think he can do better as a pay-per-view draw than uh, Demetrius Johnson did. And I hate to say that because I'm a big fan of DJ, but I think Suhudo can become a bigger draw because he is more outspoken. He's more willing to say things to shake up the, the, the market. I mean, it's funny looking at both MMA and wrestling Twitter continue to share the video of Nikki Bella for John Cena's um, well Nikki Bella former WWE women's champion uh, she's been a professional wrestler for I think 10 years 10 years now or so with her twin sister Brie Bella you know they also have their uh, was it reality TV show called Total Divas they also I mean they're pretty much self-made women <clears throat> uh, and it's interesting to see her and Henry trade um trade, I guess, I don't want to say cat calls, but trade uh, pickup lines on the internet because that's getting shared back and forth. But Henry has the opportunity to become somewhat of a figure that people will want to see. And I'm excited to see what's next for him. So I, I think that that's the opportunity for the flyweight division to grow. And I don't think that they need to stall it out by putting together another super fight between two champions. Then we have our boy, well, I'm not going to say our boy, I can't even joke about it. Then we have Greg Hardy, who loses via disqualification in the second round to Aaron Crowder because he decides to throw an illegal knee. Alan Crowder, excuse me. So basically in the first round, we have Crowder, who was winning the fight, taking Hardy down. He got to the crucifix position, couldn't get the finish there. I thought he was going to for a second, but they get back to their feet. And Hardy lands a in the second round. There's another scramble. Crowder's down on his knees, and Hardy lands a vicious uh, illegal knee. Drops Crowder. Um, they end up the ref just tackles Hardy immediately. They end up getting Crowder out of there. He's not allowed to continue fighting, and Hardy is DQ'd. This is um, like I asked everybody. I asked uh, social media what were the odds of this happening. And the odds were plus in a range of plus 600 to plus 800 of Crowder winning via DQ. And it's funny because everyone on the reaction for everybody was like, why are we not surprised? Like, why aren't we surprised? It's almost as if people are, the fans are chanting asshole. People are, people were putting the idea out there that he wanted to 
get out of the fight because he wasn't doing well. It was his first time going outside of the first round. There's a whole bunch of different narratives around what occurred, but it is what it is. Um, dude did not look good in any way, shape, or form, and he basically went out there and like he just didn't look good in any way, shape, or form. So now we have a situation where what does the USC do with him next? Do they put him back out there? Do they send him back down to the Contender Series? Do they send him back to other organizations to get more fights in? I hope they do that. Um, but I hope that they work on how this man is promoted and positioned. They put him in the co-main event of this event. And I know ESPN has some say in that. They know Greg Hardy's background. They reported on it. They are the worldwide leader in sports. But it makes it it makes it unfortunate that he was put in this position widely based on the fact that he is a negative draw. It's I mean, we know what he did. We know regardless of if the UFC tries to tell us facts that weren't correct or they basically are lying to us sometimes when they talk about that he wasn't found guilty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He was acquitted because he wasn't. This it remains. It, it, I'm I'm remiss to say that they learned something from this situation because I don't think that they do, did. I do think that they will not put him in such a high-profile position again in the near future. But they're going to continue to, to, to leverage them. We're going to talk about it in a second. But ESPN, but this uh, event had positive impact to ESPN+. Plus. We're going to talk about that from a subscriber basis and what the ratings were like earlier in, in the evening. But it seemed to be a, uh, a strong result for them. It's just unfortunate that Greg Hardy was the one that got the, the limelight shined on, on, on him. Uh, and then we also have Gregor Gillespie and Yancey Medeiros, where Gregor Gillespie basically dominated Yancey throughout his fight, it ended it in the second round via TKO. I was pretty, I wasn't, a, I'm not gonna say, I was wasn't too well known about Gregor, but he definitely seems intriguing now. Fantastic wrestler, able to get to many, able to get the various tough positions, and he controlled Yancey from start to finish. I think Yancey only, only landed like two shots the whole fight, so, I mean, there isn't much to talk about him, but Gregor, Gregor looks like somebody to keep an eye on, uh, we all know how important wrestling is in mixed martial arts and what that can do to someone, for someone, if you can control where the, where the fight happens, so, so that's exactly what, uh, I mean, I, this guy, we'll see how far he can go. He's undefeated, I think, 13 and 0. Yancey's always a, a tough fight for anyone in any division. So, for Gregor next, I'm, I'm expecting him to be ranked in the in the top 10. Let's see who he gets uh, after this. I think Adam was talking about putting him in there with Kevin Lee. Uh, Lee coming off of a loss, but a lot of other guys are kind of booked up right now. So let's see. Um, I wouldn't if I'm Dustin Poirier. I do not take that fight. Dustin, don't don't take that fight. Listen to me right now. Do not take that fight. But it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what Gregor does next and how will he continue to flourish in the lightweight division. Joseph Benavidez got a decision win over Dustin Ortiz. This right here was a fantastic match from a scrambling basis. 
a lot of a lot of wrestling, a lot of jujitsu, a lot of position fighting. I loved it from start to finish. Um, both men had some good spots, some good reversals, some good uh, positional battles. But Joseph was just doing more from start to finish. I think it ended up 29-28, um, two rounds of one across the board. Uh, this is a good win for Benavides. I think it's the second time beating Ortiz, and I think he needs to be the number one contender for that flyweight title. Uh, if they don't give him a, a title shot, I think he needs to raise all holy hell and figure out how he can maybe get out of the promotion and move on to go somewhere else because he he did, he deserves a shot at that belt. Yes, he's dropped it twice. That was to DJ both times, but he hasn't been in the title picture since, and he's been just been picking up wins. He has a win over over the champion. Book that fight and, and book it on a card where they can get some feature feature uh, placement. Paige Van Zandt, our favorite girl next door, Paige Van Zandt, got a win over Rachel Ostevich via submission. And a lot of the talk was about Ostevich overcoming and getting into the cage, which was fantastic. Um, you know, we know what she's been through. I have not listened to the video or the audio of her getting attacked by her husband, but I heard that it's disgusting and very disturbing. Um, Van Zant, she's coming off of that arm injury, the broken arm that kept her out for more than a year. She was getting worked over by Rachel. Rachel was um, Rachel was landing a lot of big shots. She was scoring some takedowns. She was winning the positional battle. It looked like she was going to be able to grapple her way to a victory, but an odd scramble put Paige on her back in a position where a lot of people often fall off the back because they're too high, but Paige was able to slide off the back and attack an arm because Rachel was tripoding where she had both her hands on the mat. This is exactly why you don't ever put your hands on, on the mat. It's one of the first things you learn in, in, in jiu-jitsu. Don't put your hands on the mat carrying weight. Well, Rachel did just that as Paige slid off her back. She caught an arm bar and finished her. Vicious tap in the second round. Also, Vicious backstage afterwards with her arm in a sling. So you know it, it was a real deal. And I mean, I'm not going to front. I wanted to see her get that win just because she could have been a... She still could be, but it, it, she could have been a huge voice and advocate for um, what she's been through and shining a bigger light on the fact that men are fucking trash uh, majority more often than not and that male toxicity is a big problem especially in the mixed martial arts industry that's a huge conversation for uh, another day but the way men behave when it comes to MMA when it comes to MMA this could have been a, a positive moment for the sport but Paige got the win um We'll see what's next. Neither one of these women have very strong records in mixed martial arts or in the UFC. So it'll be intriguing to see what they do with them next. I think they really need to build Paige back up before they uh, throw her any in, into the deep water. We've already seen that she struggles with the top talent. But we'll see. Maybe she, she'll get to a better camp and get some real coaching around her that can help her her grow. Glover Teixeira and Carl Robertson. Um, Carl started out very, very good. He had Glover in some tough spots. But, man, you just can't put that fucking Brazilian away. It was like old shoe leather. He was just fighting his way out. Ended up getting on on, on top 
and submitted Carl Robinson in the first round. They had a hell of a first round, too. Just trading positions back and forth. But Glover just does not go away. Uh, he continues to remain relevant in the light heavyweight division. I think that was his third win in a row. Let me check. Uh, that was no. He's traded wins and losses since he's gone three and three. He's probably back to Anthony Johnson at UFC 202. So Glover is. I mean, he is what he is. We've known how tough he is, and he is someone. I, he claims he wants a shot at, at, at the title. I don't think he'll get one. I mean, Corey Anderson is probably ranked uh, above him, but we'll see. Uh, We'll see what happens in the near future. Another fight I want to highlight, Donald Cerrone putting the old man business on Alex Hernandez. He beat the brakes off of that young dude, getting a TKO in the, in the second round. Luke Thomas did a damn good uh, MMA analysis on MMA Hour this week about this fight. He broke down everything that Cerrone was doing. Fantastic fight from start to finish. Donald isn't going away. That rumor of him fighting uh, Conor McGregor continues to pop back up. Conor's acknowledged it on social media. Let's see what happens. I, that Shut up and take my money. That's my response to an idea of Donald Cerrone maybe fighting Conor McGregor. Shut up and take my money. I will throw it at you. You can have my wallet. Let's do it. Um, I would love to see that fight. But I don't want to go through any of, the, any of the rest of the card. But let's talk about UFC on ESPN+. Plus. It pulled in 525,000 new subscribers for the platform. Now, some of them may be doing a seven-day trial. I'm sure that that number is going to wane down. It'll be interesting to see how they continue to build this up because I'm going to continue to compare this to the WWE Network just because of how they've set up their platform and what they do. And it's interesting because the WWE Network was just purchased by the – or not – it wasn't purchased. They're, they they align themselves with the same streaming platform that does UFC Fight Pass. But that's neither here nor there. Um, hold on. But yes, it, they brought in half a million new subscribers. That number will probably probably dwindle off. But let's see. Let's look at the press release as well too, because they they also it when so the telecast order averaged a 1.4 metered market. Uh, rating, make it the highest rated UFC Fight Night prelims on cable since at least 2013. Um, let's see. I'm going to look at the ratings. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I want to say, because I believe that the prelims brought in So there were 1.8 million unique visitors to MMA-related digital content across ESPN platforms on Saturday, the most trafficked Saturday for MMA content on record. Uh, I do not have the television ratings that occurred for the event. Yeah, I'm not sure what the television ratings were. So they brought in... 568 new subscribers on Friday and Saturday combined. Uh, the largest event in subscription catalyst for ESPN Plus 
so far. So it looks like it's a, it, it was a strong start for the platform. The question is, how do they keep this going? One thing that's always been intriguing about the WWE Network is, of course, they offer their monthly um, pay-per-views on the platform for free. So every month when a new pay-per-view is coming around, they're pushing the angle that, hey, you subscribe, because if you subscribe, you get the upcoming pay-per-view for free, except for, well, even with WrestleMania. But I don't know how uh, ESPN Plus is going to continue to do this with the UFC on the platform because this this was a big fight card and what and, I, and this fight card drew in a lot of attention because obviously it was the first one and it was headlined by a title fight. <laughs> the question is, are they going to continue putting title fights out there? Because we saw them do this with the Fox partnership as well but that eventually dwindled off over time that uh, eventually dwindles off over time so the question is what are they going to do with it now one thing I'm looking forward to the most is all the extra content that I've heard about that's going to come on of uh, Fight, excuse me, ESPN Plus in reference to the UFC, such as their the fight analysis show that's supposed to be done by uh, Dominic Cruz and Gilbert Melendez, their kind of behind the scenes show that's going to be done like a documentary series, a documentary format on a lot of the fighters. That kind of stuff interests me, but is it going to interest people enough to get them subscribe, to get them to subscribe to the content for long term purposes? That's really the question. But it, it, either way, shape, or form, this was a strong start for the organization. And I'm really looking forward to what comes in the future. And the biggest thing, the pacing of that six-fight main card. So like I said, I work for, for Fight Metric, and we cover their cars from start to finish in our DC office here. Usually, if this was on Fox, I would not have left the office until probably about 1.30 in the morning. This event, I, was, oh, I think I left at 12 which is a huge improvement. Six fights, they were getting through them, getting through them, getting through them. And what's more important is this event started at 10. They're talking about moving the event up to 9. If they move the event up to 9 p.m. and keep this pace, and you're telling me that we can be done by 11 o'clock, I'll take that all day, every day. That's akin to watching being on the East Coast and watching a West Coast basketball game. I'll take that all day, every day, because you can do that, and you can still go out on a on a, on a Friday night instead of it being or, or Saturday night instead of being stuck in the house all day because you had to watch a UFC event. I'll take it all day, every day. So if they keep that pacing up, you got a subscriber out of me, ESPN. You can have my 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 five dollars to watch these events. So I'm I'm thankful for that, and I appreciate you guys taking that in, into consideration. So with that, I want to move into doing a preview of Bellator 214, which is this Saturday, where we have a we have the conclusion of the heavyweight Grand Prix, where Ryan Bader looks to become Bellator's first champ champ as he faces faces off with Fedor Emelianenko. Now Fedor is like a legend's legend in the sport, still doing a thing. He will not go away, and 
he's facing Ryan Bader, and Bader, who may be the favorite in this bout, we know what his kryptonite is. He's been popped. He's been hit with some big shots and finished. I mean, everyone will go back to the fight with Tito Ortiz, where he was surprised, knocked out. Where he got he got clipped with a flash knockout. His fight with uh, his fight with Glover Teixeira, where he was winning and he got clipped and I put out there. So there's a lot to kind of take from that because that can very very well happen again. He's fighting probably one of the most feared knockout artists that was in the sport for years in Fedor, and we, anything can happen. I am still picking Ryan to win this fight, but again, he can very well get put out, and we could be looking at Fedor being the Bellator uh, champion. And we can look at Fedor being the um, Bellator champion in the near future. I'm looking forward to this fight, and I, I, to be honest, I'm never, I've never been one to really look forward to Fedor's fight. I was, ne- I've never been a big fan of his. I'm not the biggest fan of heavyweight MMA, but I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in this bout here. Ryan Bader is an interesting character, in my opinion. I think he is a positive example of what free agency can do for these mixed martial artists. He left the UFC when he was ranked, I want to say, in the top three to five. Let me see what he was, what his record was at the time, what he was doing. He, so when he left the UFC, he was coming off of wins over, let's see, he was, I mean, yo, he's only lost to John Jones, Tito Ortiz, Leota Machida, Glover Teixeira, and Anthony Johnson. So he lost to three champions and two title contenders. He had defeated Ilya Latifi and Antonio Noguera back-to-back before leaving. Then he's gone on to defeat Phil Davis again, Linton Vassal, Muhammad Law, and uh, King Mo, and Matt Mitrion. Um, Man, I don't I don't I think the UFC made the right decision of letting him go because he, you don't know what he had left and how far he was beyond his prime, but he's continued to do good work in Bellator, and I'm happy for that. If he's put himself in a position to make the most money possible and to continue to uh, push his career to the next level, I'm happy with what he's done. Does he go back to the UFC in in the near future? I don't know. I don't think so, because there's too much um, hand-wringing and hampering in that organization. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't do that, uh, I'm I'm glad with what he's doing in Bellator, and I hope that he continues to find success and get other fighters in a position to start thinking of themselves first and what they can do to better their career. So, it, so seeing him succeed is a positive step for uh, the sport. And in the coming event, we have the youngster Aaron Pico out there looking to improve 5-1 and one as he faces a veteran in Henry Corrales. Henry Corrales is a tough fucking fight for Pico, but Pico just keeps looking better every time he gets out there in, in, in the cage. He was super aggressive against um, Leandro Higo 
in his last fight when he got him out of there. He looked good against Lee, Mor- Lee, Lee Morrison. We know about the Shane Christian fight. We know about the um, Justin Lennon fight as well. Yes, that Zach Freeman uh, where he got finished. That fight was what it was. But Aaron Pico, Aaron Pico's not the same guy that fought in June of 2017 that got finished in less than 30 seconds. He's totally different now. And if you think he's the same guy, don't don't talk to me about MMA. Aaron Pico looks good. Um, I, I ugh, Corrales is tough, super tough. He's a veteran that can get this win, and he's fought like he's fought some dangerous guys. He's four and zero. Um, right now, he's... Let me see who's biggest win. He doesn't have any huge, huge wins. He's he, he's 4-0. He fought uh, Rashikio Fierre. That's probably his biggest fight. Him or Daniel Strauss, but both of those guys finished him in the second round. So we'll see what happens here. And we see, we'll see if he, gets, um, if he is the one that can kind of put a speed bump in front of the hype train that is Aaron Pico. But if Aaron gets that win, he's going to be fighting for a belt sooner rather than later. He's already been calling Pitbull out. And I think that they will make uh, that fight sooner rather than later. The question, uh, I think Chuck Mendenhall asked a very poignant question this today um, on the MMA beat when he asked how does the UFC keep him or how does Bellator keep him if he continues to win and continues to look great on the um, card like how does how do, how do they continue to keep him if he goes out there and continues to, to look good I don't know it's not my problem to figure out that is Scott Coker's issue to deal with all I know is this dude is continue he makes me excited he makes me excited to um, watch mixed martial arts, and he makes me excited to kind of see when he is going out there to compete. So it is what it is. I'm um, excited for this fight and see, seeing how well he does as he returns to the Bellator cage. Then we got Jack Swagger, a.k.a. Jake Hager. Jake Hager is his real name, making his MMA debut and... You know, I mean, I'm not going to front. I was never the biggest Jack Swagger fan in when he was a professional wrestler. And I think he's a two-time WWE champion because I hated his his gimmick was MAGA before MAGA was cool. So it is it, it really is what it is. I'm not the biggest fan of his as, as a professional wrestler because that gimmick just kind of always made me cringe. But I'm a fan of anyone, of any professional wrestler that's kind of that looks to make that jump into MMA. Uh, do I think he has a long-term career in mixed martial arts? No. Uh, I think he has some skills. You know, he was a collegiate wrestler at Oklahoma, I believe. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's fighting an 0-1 guy who um, recently debuted as well. So they kind of put him out there with a tomato can. So let's see how it goes. I'm, I'm pretty excited. They did a pretty interesting promo for this event featured featuring uh, Jay Hager and Jack Swagger on Monday Night Raw on Monday. So let's see if that had any impact. Well, um, we'll find out. I don't think it did. I think that fan bases for MMA and professional wrestling are further apart than people may think. But I'm always a fan for this. I always enjoy seeing guys go back and forth. So let's see what happens. 
And the only other fight I'm looking forward to is Mr. AJ Agazar making the jump from uh, competitive jiu-jitsu into mixed martial arts. AJ is someone who can talk a good game, runs it, runs his mouth very well, but I just don't think. I mean, I don't think that that's going to translate. I don't think. I think the people that watch competitive jujitsu tend to watch MMA as well. It's a bigger gap than you may think. But I think he's going to have some crossover appeal. But it'll be with a hardcore grappling fan base. It won't be. He won't get the more casual group groups in as well too. So let's see kind of what happens there. But all in all, I'm pretty interested in Bellator 214 on Saturday. I'm not going to lie, NXT TakeOver is that same day, so that is going to have my primary focus. But I may flip back and forth to this Bellator card to kind of see what's going on and at least catch the uh, co-main and main event and see what Jake does. But anyway, outside of that, I want to tell you guys what I'm working on for MMA ratings. There's a piece I put up about the end of the champ champ craze that's ready for you to go view on MMARatings.net. I'm looking at a piece about what I would like to see from the partnership in ESPN, uh, or excuse me, between ESPN and UFC after ESPN on, excuse me, after UFC on ESPN plus one, I'm going to, they got a short net, but I'm going to do a piece about that as well. And also look into what, what else is going on within the sport. All right, so please be sure to, again, go to MMARatings.net to catch our content there. Follow MMA Ratings Net on Instagram and Twitter, where you see all of our social media postings and, and social media ramblings. And as always, my name is Rafael Garcia. You can follow me at R Garcia Sports. You can follow Jordan Breen at uh, Black Jordan Breen, B L A K Jordan Breen. So catch him there as well too. And with that in mind, you know it's Friday, just about. So enjoy your weekends. Be safe and watch some MMA or, or watch some watch some combat sports in some way, shape, or form, so we can continue to have something to talk about. So with that in mind, everybody, have a great day, and I appreciate you all. Please be sure to like and, like and share our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and have a great day.